Well, it's Memorial Day weekend, right? And Memorial Day is a, is a special day. It's a day of remembering and honoring the men and women who died while serving. And we can call them heroes because they gave their life to something bigger than themselves. In many respects, you could say that this weekend is the most important holiday because it's the holiday that allows us to have all of our other holidays. In other words, if it hadn't been what our military have been doing for us since the Revolutionary War, we wouldn't have the ability to celebrate anything at any time in the ways that we do. And so on a weekend where we do celebrate our brave men and women who have sacrificed their life for our country, I thought it would be fitting to, to bring together our teaching topic these past few uh, weeks and kind of tie it in a little bit to this patriotic weekend. It'll be a direction. I don't imagine you would think I would go with it, but it's uh, just kind of as God's been working on me and stirring in me. I thought I'd try to, to the best I can, kind of tie the two together a little bit. Uh, we've been talking about what it means to live as wise followers of Jesus, right? Based on Ephesians chapter 5. And last week we had said, hey, be wise and, and pick a mission. Pick a mission with our life. And we, we, we encourage you to be wise by picking God's mission for your life, which is to be salt and light, right? To leverage your influence, to maximize your impact with others. And so this week, uh, you know, we want to talk about not pick a mission, but this week is pick a country. Pick a country. You, we always have the choice in all this. All these weeks we've been talking about this, and you have a choice. We want to encourage you to pick a country. Well, i got to tell you, I, I grew up just loving our country. I still do. I, and I'm amazed when I, when I step back and think about all the freedoms that we have. I mean, we have the freedom of speech, right? And that means that I get to stand up here this morning and do what I'm doing right now. We have the freedom to gather together like we are and worship together like we are each and every week. As you know, in some places in the world, I would be arrested and possibly even killed for doing what I'm doing. And if that were to happen, if, if someone were to come in and take me and take me away, you know that what would happen to you is you would have to you know, go underground or some people live underground with their faith, right? They couldn't, it couldn't be out in the public. You couldn't gather freely and worship God. It's really something that you and I, especially on a weekend like this, we should pause and we should praise God and we should celebrate the fact, never take for granted that we have such incredible freedoms. I mean, think about all the different opportunities we have. We can, we can you know, start a business, can't we? We can create wealth and we can make a difference and, and you can have as, you know, as many kids as you want here. You know, in some countries, that's not true, right? You can choose your own career path. In fact, you can choose just about anything because of the freedoms that we have. I'm thankful to live in this country. And I imagine a lot of you are as well. I'm grateful, I'm thankful to live here, but I want to tell you, America is not the promised land. It's not the promised land. America is not God's only or God's chosen people. We are not God's favorite. In fact, I would say this, it's pretty arrogant. It's pretty small-minded. It's pretty self-centered to think that God's world revolves around us, right? God's world is so much bigger than us. For God so loved, what does the verse say, John 3, 16? For God so loved America that he, is that what it says? 
What does it say? For God so loved the what? The world that he gave his son. Why we can be proud to be Americans. For those of us here this morning who are Jesus followers, we need to recognize that we have an even deeper calling, a a deeper loyalty, if you will, a higher calling. And we can and, and should be incredibly grateful for our freedoms, our freedoms of speech and to pursue life, liberty, and, and you know, even happiness. But our highest calling is not to defend our freedom of speech or to, to defend the freedom of America, but to help people find freedom in Jesus Christ. That's our highest calling. Here's the point. You're not just an American. You're actually an ambassador from heaven. That is our deeper deeper loyalty, and that is our higher calling. I want you to turn with me right now to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And and I want you to see what the Apostle Paul says about this. That we are ambassadors from heaven. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're going to read this, we're going to say a few words together. Starting in verse 19, 2 Corinthians 5, 19, he said this, he says, and God has committed to us. Now, that, by the way, that's, that's us, that's the church, that's believers, that's followers of Jesus, okay? God has committed to us the what? And I want to say this out loud. He has given us, and let's say the three words together. He has given us the what? The message of, man, that's just, what translation are we looking at? So that means you didn't turn in your Bibles. All right, everybody turn. No, you're going to have to track me here. I want to make sure you, you try. Let's try this again. That, that is like not Memorial Day weekend. That's like, uh, uh, okay, you've already had the beer and the brew and the hot dogs, and you're like, oh. let's try that again. What's the me- what is it? It's called the what? The message? I guess I shouldn't do three words. So <laughs> let's just try one word. How about this? God's committed to us the message of? Okay, now I learned the wise thing to do. One word. All right, I'll, I'll, may, I'll know that for next service. All right, very good. Very good. I like that. God has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Look at verse 20. We are therefore, let's try one word. We are therefore Christ's and what? Christ's what? Ambassadors. ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. Now, what's an ambassador? An ambassador is the highest ranking diplomat that's been sent by a country to represent that country to another country. And so what does that mean? That means as a Jesus follower, you and I have been sent by God from our heavenly nation, our heavenly country. You and I, we are his ambassadors, which means we represent his interests, his plans, his message to the world. Look, what's the message? First, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. Notice it goes on. It says, we implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. So there's some big words in this passage. Message like reconciliation, ambassadors. These are big ideas that God gives us. And he says, we're his messengers. And the message is be reconciled to God. In other words, we're to share the love of God and we're to show the love of God. To share his message that God wants all people to be reconciled. What does that mean? It simply means to be made right. To be friends, or to be, one translation says, be friends again with God. To be brought into a relationship with God. To be saved. First, First Timothy chapter 2, verse 4 said, God desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. See, in the United States, our ambassadors 
are chosen by the president and then confirmed by the Senate. But you and I as Jesus' ambassadors, you and I are chosen and appointed by God himself. John chapter 15, verse 16. Jesus says this, he says, You didn't choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you. Now why did I appoint you? So that you can, you know, go on and on with people about politics on social media. Is that why I chose you and appointed you? He said, no, no, no. I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. What's lasting fruit? I want you to think about that for a moment. Where does your brain go as you think about the Bible? I'm sure some of you start to think about Galatians chapter 5, verses 23 through 23, right? It talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And Jesus is saying, I chose you, and I appointed you, and I've appointed you to be my ambassador, to show my fruit, to show my love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and uh, self-control for you and I. That's our message, to show that to the world. And even though there's some of us here this morning that the voices in our heads say, Man, who do you think you are? And you just got on a fight on the way to church. The things you've been saying and doing all week have been hurtful. You don't even know anything about the Bible. You could never be an ambassador. That's the voices in some of our heads. You can't be God's ambassador. That's the job of the pastor. That's the job of the elder and the leader. And even when you play that message in your head, so God says, no, no, no. I says, I chose you. I appointed you to be my ambassador, to be my representative of the world. And you have more power than just the ability to vote. You have the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. That spirit's dwelling within you. And so you have divine power to change the world. You're my ambassador. That's the message that God has for all of us. God chose you. I want you to personalize that for a moment. And I want you to say right now in your spirit, God chose me. God chose me. God appointed me. This message isn't for everybody else. This is the message God has for you. Second, you're not only an ambassador, but you are a royal priest of God. Not a royal pain in the butt. You're a royal priest of God. Where do we see this? In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says, You are a chosen people, he said. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. You are God's special possession. Why? Why are we God's a royal priesthood, a holy nation, that God is, uh, God's special possession? Why? That you might declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into the wonderful light. What are you? God says you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood. Now this year, on October 31st, though I don't know that it'll get much fanfare, but there will be a a celebration, the 500th anniversary. For all you history buffs, you might know what this is. 500 years ago, on October 31st, coming up this year, Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses to the front door of the Wittenberg Castle Church. Luther essentially confronted the corruption that was in the church, and he he brought about severe correction, thus becoming the father of the Reformation. He He did some amazing things, some amazing work. Perhaps one of the biggest that he did was he brought us back to the fact that the Scriptures, the Bible, is our sole authority 
Secondly, he brought this idea back to us that we are justified by faith alone in Jesus Christ. One of the third action items, if you will, that resulted from what Luther did is that you and I now have access to the Bible in our language that we have available to us that you have with you on your laps right now or on your phone. And all that was a result of what happened 500 years ago and what he did. But there was another part of what Luther did and brought. You see, Luther taught that the word priest should become as common as the word Christian to describe all of us. Because he thought that all Christians were priests. Now, back then, and even a little bit today, but back then especially, that was a big deal for him to say because the priesthood was kind of this different group of people. And he said, no, 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 no. We're all priests, and let's make that word just as common to all of us as the word Christian. And out of that came the phrase, the priesthood of all believers. In other words, if you're a Jesus follower, Luther thought you should say, I'm a priest of the Most High God. Everybody. His point was there's no ranking to those who can make a difference with God and for God, regardless of your occupation. In other words, I don't have any more power to make a difference in this world because, you know, I'm, you know, Pastor Chris. I don't have any more power to make a difference in the world than you do just because you work somewhere else. You have the same access to the same power to make the same difference that I do. You also are an influencer. You also are a spiritual influencer. We've all been given the 2 Corinthians 5 ministry and message of reconciliation regardless of our occupation. And because you're a priest, right? Because you're a, if we want to use maybe a term pastor, because you're an influencer, you know what that means? Let me tell you what that means. It means when you gather for a meal and I'm there with you, you can pray for the meal. Okay, that's what it means. Or when we're all together in the hospital and, and it's time to pray, you can pray. You don't have to turn to me to pray. But seriously, my point is this, is that your prayers are just as powerful as mine. You have the same access to the throne room of God that I have. Why? 1 Peter 2.9 tells us that you are a royal priest of the Most High God. Now listen. When you own that, when you take that on, it changes the way that you relate to the world around you. It changes the way you interact with those whom God has said you have been given His message of reconciliation. You have more power to influence lives for eternity than you could have ever possibly have imagined. You. I want you to personalize that and say, uh, in your spirit right now, say, I have the power to influence lives for eternity. I have that. In fact, and I hope you don't miss this, as an ambassador from heaven and a priest of the Most High God, you don't represent yourself. You always represent Jesus. 
I, I love what Peter said in 1 Peter 2, verses 11 and 12. He said, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and in, in exiles, in other words, you know, we have a heavenly country, to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Verse 12, he said this. He said, Live such good lives among the pagans. In other words, there's going to be people who don't believe in Jesus. But he's like, But don't worry about that. Just focus on how you live. Live such good lives among the pagans. Live in a way that honors God. Notice what it goes on and says. That though they accuse you of doing wrong, though they might even accuse you, what's going to happen? They're going to see your good deeds. They may see the way you live. And then the verse goes on and says, and glorify God on the day He visits. Though there are going to be people who disagree with what you believe if you and i will live with integrity if our actions will match our beliefs eventually there's going to be people who notice and they're going to pause and they'll say wow that person's incredibly generous wow that person is incredibly helpful that person is incredibly loving Wow, that person, they disagree with my political views or my sexual orientation or whatever it may be, but they still respect me. They're still kind to me. You see, you don't represent yourself. You represent Jesus. So, in whatever arena you find yourself in, or whatever you know, political party or ideology or social cause or upcoming proposition you're a part of, God is saying, live in such a way that is crystal clear that your love for Jesus, it always guides you to do good deeds, first and foremost above anything else, that that guides you. You will show God's love to others. Why? Because you know that you always represent Jesus. And if you will do this well, with wisdom, there's going to be people who will hate you. In fact, the Bible's clear, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. It says, if you're going to live a godly life, people will persecute you. In other words, people will hate you. But they're going to see your good deeds. And the hope and the prayer is that eventually that leads them to praise God. And to glorify God, or to use the 2 Corinthians chapter 5 terms, eventually they will be reconciled to God. They will be made right with God. They will be made friends of God. God has committed to every single one of us the message, not just with words, but loving action, the message of reconciliation and restoration. Man, the reality is this. If you're a Jesus follower... Man, this world, it's, it, it's not your home. This country, we can love it, but this isn't our real, true country. We come from a heavenly country. We're ambassadors chosen by God and sent by God to represent Him here on earth, here in our spheres of influence. So I want to encourage you to pick a country. The wise thing to do is to choose your heavenly country. And if... 
if you will go down that path and if you will choose your heavenly country, what I would like to do is give you a couple practical thoughts on how to represent Jesus and his message because as we have stated this morning, you always represent Jesus. We don't represent ourselves. We always represent Jesus, especially by our good deeds. So what's the wise thing to do? Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17, it says, be wise in how you live. So what's the wise thing to do if we pick our heavenly country? Well, that's what I want to spend the next few minutes about talking about. You know, it is Memorial Day weekend, and it is a time to come together as a country and celebrate the sacrifices of those who have given us our freedoms. To come together, to be united, and yet five months or so into a new administration, it feels like, it seems like we are more divided as a country than ever before. Doesn't it? I mean, it seems like more than ever, it's like we pick a side or we pick a team or we pick a, you know, a party and we seem unwilling to engage with those who aren't like us, who don't agree with us. There seems to be today this more than ever, that at least I can remember, this us versus them mentality versus a we mentality. I mean, I want you to think about this for a minute. When the 45th president of the United States was elected, some Christians said and say things like this. Well, God, you know, he heard our prayers. And he put someone in the White House that certainly isn't perfect, but hopefully will put some policies in place and, you know, set, select judges to help shape the laws in the future that are more consistent with our values. Some people voted, and that was their primary motivation. Then there's others some Christians who said or would say, I'm shocked that any Jesus follower actually voted for someone who is, has a character in question. I mean, this is a person who accepts be, or tolerates or even advocates for some forms of hatred and forms of bigotry or racism or verbal abuse and beyond. And so there's many who are actually seriously concerned or even scared or even worried. You know, I, this, just this past week, I spoke to a few different people in our church who are not of Caucasian ethnicity. And they genuinely, sincerely, it was, and this was new information to me, they genuinely, sincerely feel less safe today because of the new administration. They're concerned about their safety and their future. So no matter where you sit on this spectrum, no matter where you lean, no matter who holds office, here's what I hope we'll always remember. No matter who is in charge, I want you to know that God still holds the world. He's still in charge. Jesus is still our King. Yeah, praise God. We can clock about that. That's great. Praise God. God's will can still be done. Our God has worked through righteous leaders, and our God has worked through unrighteous leaders. Our God has worked through the wisest of rulers and kings, and our God has worked through the unwisest of kings and rulers. In other words, let me just say it this way. We don't have to freak out no matter who's in office because we are still under God. And God holds the world in His hands, and His will can still be done. So as heavenly ambassadors, priests of God who always represent Jesus, what's the wise way to live right now in this culture, in this climate that we have where we see so much you know, division more than others, even in the context of, of, of churches and faith? 
Well, man, you and I, let me start by saying it this way. We need to be united as one with our brothers and sisters in Christ. That's where we start. Be united as one. John chapter 17, verse 20. You know, we don't have a lot of Jesus' prayers in the Bible, so I think it's important to say, okay, if there's a prayer that's recorded that Jesus prayed, man, we want to know that. Jesus prayed all the time, but if there's one in there, we better pay attention to it. And in John 17, we get Jesus' prayer. And And in verse 20, it says this. He says, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, verse 21, that all of them may be one. He's talking about us. Why? Why is it so important? Why did Jesus pray for this? Why we as Jesus followers, why is it important that, important that we're united as one? Look at verse 23 says it this way. Jesus goes on in his prayer. So that they may be brought to complete unity. And when we, the family of God, are united, when we are one, what will happen? That verse goes on and says this. When we are one and brought to complete unity, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them. Man, do you see the power in that? That God, as Jesus, is praying for oneness, for unity among us, because that's the key for the world, those outside these walls, to know that God loves them, that God wants to be their friend, that God wants to have a relationship with them. But it feels like even Christians are more divided than ever, and whether it's topics of abortion, sexuality, race, immigration, health care, taxes, whatever. Christians who voted in a way different from you, and you need to understand something. They're not the enemy. They're not the enemy. You have an enemy, and his name is Satan. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, we battle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities of this dark world. This is an enemy who has come to kill, steal, and destroy. And so when it comes to us, the family of God, I want you to think about what that means. It means he wants to steal our unity. He wants to kill our churches. He wants to destroy our credibility. Because, and here is the next point, if we stand together, if we are one, if we are unified, the world will actually start to see the love of God coming through His people. In other words, let's as heavenly ambassadors, as priests of the Most High God who always represent Jesus, let's unite behind the message. That's where the unity comes. No matter who's in office, our message never changes. Our mission never changes. Our message, our mission, that is what unites us. That is what brings us together. And what is that message? Well, Jesus was clear. He said, go. Go to the world and preach the gospel. Share the message of love. Share the message of reconciliation and baptize and make disciples of all the nations. Well, this uh, last couple days I was up in Lake Tahoe. And I uh, had an opportunity to do some hiking around up there. And, and, and so yesterday I was getting ready to leave. But before I left, I, I said, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run over to uh, um, the uh, Mount Talak Trailhead. And I, and I did that because um, 
because uh, Steve and I have wanted to climb that mountain. Oh, don't show the pictures yet. I'll, I'll, I'll guide you through them. I'll guide you. Sorry, I, I should have told you that. Steve and I have wanted to climb that mountain before, but it's like a nine, ten-mile ten mile round trip. It's the highest peak in kind of the area. It's beautiful view, all that kind of stuff. And, and so I was like, well, there's so much snow. I had already climbed it a little bit the day before in the snow and kind of didn't go well and, and all that. And so I said, well, I'll just hike an hour or so. I'm going to hit the snow and I'll turn around, right? So that was the, that was the plan. So I wasn't really geared up for hiking in the snow, right? I figured I'll go out, come back. So I have a little bit of water, a little, little bar. I don't have a jacket. I don't have anything. I'm not, I got shorts on. I don't have sunscreen. I do have a hat, luckily. And so I start hiking up. As I'm hiking, I run into some people. And uh, these people uh, were planning on going all the way to the top. I was like, really? You can go to the top right now? I said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you can get to the top. I was like, oh, okay, cool. So uh, I want to show you this first picture. So there's, uh, there's already hiking in an hour, but that peak in the back, that's the goal. Okay, so that's where we're getting ready to head after already hiking in an hour, okay? And so that, that's um, floating island, but the island disappeared. It literally floated away. So there's no island anymore at that lake. But, so that's the peak that we're going to go to. Now, so let me t explain this to you. Now I'm all of a sudden an hour into this hike, and now we're going to get ready to go head into a lot of snow. I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. How hard can it be? And these two over here, Ed and Steve, I've, I've sent them, you know, called them on the peaks of mountains where I've done some dumb things up there in Tahoe. So I'm like, oh, I can do this. It'll, it'll be quick, you know, four miles. What's that, you know, like you can hike two, three miles an hour. It'll be an hour up and back, right? No problem. The first non-wise decision I made was I should have looked up how long it takes. <laughs> Secondly, I should have geared up properly. But here's the point. Here's where I, I want to tie this in. I ran into these people. Uh, and I'll show their picture in a bit. Three people. Uh, I ran into Dwayne and Jessica, a married couple, and I ran into Philippe, the Belgian. And so, uh, so Philippe, the Belgian, was heading up, and Dwayne and, and Jessica, who've hiked this peak many times. And so together, we united behind this vision, this message, this, this purpose. We're going to climb the peak together. So started following them, hiking up with them, and uh, having a good time, and, and following uh, Dwayne, and he's kind of leading the way, and my feet are basically dry, it's sunny out, trying to keep my face covered. We get to this section where we literally have to basically go straight up, a, a snow, uh, like about a three, four hundred yards of, like literally almost straight up. So I, I, all I had, because I wasn't prepared, I had sticks, you know, they all have crampons on their, for their feet. They have nice ice axes. He's, Dwayne's like, hey, let me help you out here a little bit. Let me give you my ice axe. That piece of wood isn't going to help you where we're going right now. He said, just follow my steps. So I'm like, all right, let's do this, right? We're united. We're not worried right now about what we think about life and this and that. We have a vision. We're focused. That we're united behind us. So I'm not kidding you. I have his ice axe in one hand. I have one of my sticks in the other. I had to abandon my stick, which I loved. It had been with me for like three miles, but I trusted him. <laughs> so we start going up, and I have to plant this ice axe into the ground, and literally I'm starting to slip, but, and then like it pulls me out. I'm going, I'm not kidding. It's practically vertical. And I'm looking down going, if I slip and fall, this is not going to end well. And so I send my wife a goodbye text and everything, and then <laughs> I keep going. All right, so we eventually keep going, yada, yada, yada. We, we make it up towards almost to the top. This picture is we're almost getting to the top. You can see to my left, maybe you're right, where our footsteps were. This is coming down. That whole edge, you know, I was like, so when we were hiking, I'm like, um, are we on the snow that's going to fall off? 
or are we actually on hard ground below us? Because, you know, that can fall off. So we hike up there. Next picture. There's the four of us. We get to the top. Uh, uh, It was an incredible time. The Belgian, by the way, uh, Philippe the Belgian. We get up there. There's some snowboarders up there are going to snowboard down the bowl. They were drinking Belgian beer from where he was from, the same city. So we kind of had some good conversation. They needed to drink a lot of that to get down to do what they were doing, apparently, according to... According to Philippe the Belgian, and, and so uh, I like saying Philippe the Belgian, can you tell? Uh, <laughs> not Philip, he made me clear it wasn't Philip because I'm starting to call him, hey Phil, hey Philip, and he's like, no, no, it's Philippe. So anyway, uh, so we get up there, let me go through a couple more pictures, just kind of keep going. There's me on the top, beautiful view of Tahoe, amazing. Uh, maybe one more, there's kind of a wider scope, and then the last at the peak of the peak of the peak, there's me just sitting on the top. It's like most beautiful view in Tahoe. Now, I, I mention all that, and that's why, by the way, that's why my face is fried. It took us about six hours. <laughs> the, the sun just radiating, you know, and, and all of that. Listen, we were united behind our cause, our goal. And we learned a lot about them, but we, you know, it didn't matter what their political beliefs were. It didn't matter what they were going to do that night. It didn't matter how they lived each day. and None of that was the focus. We all came together, the four of us. And I got to tell you, I could not have done it without them. It would have been impossible. I'm not showing you the other pictures, maybe in the future. That steep hill that we went up, there was only one way down. Does anybody know how? We had to slide down. It was the only, and I was freaked out because I have my pole, and he was like, no, I'm keeping my ice axe going down. <laughs> so I'm like, uh... <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was the only way down so that was the scariest ride of my life because I just picture you know my ankle catching snap tumble and you know call Heather come get me we were united behind a mission a goal and I hope you're catching this when you and I focus and unite behind the mission of Jesus together all that other stuff it really does it really matter If that becomes our focus, if we unite behind that and and we say, then this is our focus and we're united behind our message as as heavenly ambassadors, as priests of the Most High God who represent Jesus, let our message be, let's be united around a message of being for, not against. For, not against. What can we be for? I I hope you figured it out this morning. We've been talking about it all morning. We can all be for God's mission, God's desire that he loves all people, that he wants all people to be saved. And that's what we can unite around, the love of Jesus, that we're for healing and reconciliation and for peace and for grace. And man, there's lots of ways to live this out. And and just one practical thought as I was thinking about this this week, again, I just think about the environment we're in today. If you live out the fact uh, just on a daily basis that you're an ambassador from heaven, do you think it's, let me just give you one practical thing. Do you think it's wise to engage in negativity with others? Just practically speaking, especially in conversations or even online. When we're online socially, is it wise to contribute to, you know, whatever, hate or negativity? No way. 
It ruins our witness and our message that God has entrusted to us. I, I don't know about you, but I don't have time for Facebook fights and Twitter wars and all that kind of stuff. I don't have them all, but even if I did have them, I wouldn't have time for that. You want to know why? Our mission is too important. Time is too short for all of us. And sure, you can stand strong in what you believe, and you can be passionate about issues, and you can take a stand when appropriate, and you can vote right, you can vote left, whichever way you vote. Man, all of us, we just love right down the middle. That's what God's called us to. And so even if we disagree with one another on whatever the topic or the issue of the political affiliation, in fact, I can and will lovingly disagree with a brother and sister in Christ. That's going to happen. But I'll never tear down. I'll never tear down. I'll only build up. I'm going to stop worrying about always being right, and I'm going to start focusing on being loving. And so I'm going to be united around a vision, around a mission, a mission that is for and not against. God is for people, and he wants us together, united with his message, to bring people back to God. I love what D.L. Moody said. He was in a famous evangelist. He said this, You may find hundreds of fault finders among professed Christians, but all of their criticism will never lead one solitary soul to Christ. Man, let's focus on what we're for. That's what God's called us to. The world is getting tired of hearing about the love of Jesus, and they want to see it. And when they see it lived out, when we're one, when we're laser-focused on being for God's love, when we are laser-focused on being for God's grace and peace and reconciliation and joy, that's when the world will know that we are Christians and that, the, and that God loves them. So, on this Memorial Day weekend... We honor those who gave their life and sacrificed for our country. We honor those who died so that you and I can enjoy our freedoms. And like me, man, I, in fact, I'll encourage you. Be a loyal and patriotic, flag-flying, God-loving American and be proud of it. You can love your country. But let's remember, our deeper loyalty is to more than just this physical country. It's to our Heavenly Father. Because you and I all come from a heavenly country. As his ambassadors, God chose us to be his priest who always represent his love. So let's unite around God's message. Let's be for his love and his grace so that we can help people on all sides of the aisle find true freedom in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Amen. Heavenly Father, Almighty God, Lord, I don't know how your message delivered today touches hearts, but I pray, God, you reach every person. God, because the implications are bigger than a Memorial Day weekend. They're bigger than American, being an American. They're bigger than being a Democrat, uh, a Republican, a, you know, Libertarian, whatever. God, it's bigger than all of that. The implications are, are a life lived with purpose, a life lived laser-focused on your mission 
and living that out and being united with our brothers and sisters behind that message, regardless of some of the various things we believe and think about other stuff. God, I pray that each of us would look inside and see the areas of our life where we've allowed there to be division, where we've allowed our heart to be divided. And that's impacted our relationships with others. God, I pray you'd expose that to each one of us. And then, God, would you just lovingly and graciously, God, bring us to the place where we want more than anything to be for your cause, for your message, for your mission. God, that's my hope. That's my prayer for every single person here this morning. And God, when we can do that and we can unite behind that, God, you'll use us to change the world. And I'm grateful for that. Heavenly Father, I, I'm grateful for the different parts of a worship service. And God, right now we come to worship you by giving you an offering. God, I pray you use this to glorify yourself. I pray, God, you use this so that more people can come to Jesus. This we unite behind. So God, use this for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.